The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. This is Chris Marwitz, your host today of Loving That Sports Talk. Uh, James, unfortunately, is not going to be able to make it today, but, you know, you got me again, so... Um, so what's going on in sports? The big thing right now is March Madness, and uh, we want to kind of just talk about that. And my guest today is Kurt. Um, he has been a devoted college basketball fan for 45 years. Kurt, how are you today? I'm fine. How are you, Chris? I'm great, great. Um, before we get talking about this, I, I know that you're here in Colorado with me. We want to tell the listeners, there's a blizzard going on out there. We have like a foot of snow going on. You know, it's hard to travel, hard to move anywhere, but, you know, we're on We're on because we can be here, you know, with the phones and, you know, we can do the show live. So, you know, I, I appreciate you being on with me today, and uh, let's talk about some, some uh, basketball, okay? Okay, I'm glad to be here. Uh, it's a perfect day to talk college basketball. Oh, yeah. You can't yep. go outside. Stay inside and talk true. about it. All right, so let's start with, with what happened at the very, very beginning before the games were even started. Uh, so this year, CBS decided to expand the NCAA selection show to two hours. Within the first hour, the full bracket was leaked and posted on Twitter. What purpose, Kurt, do you think was, was it to leak the bracket? Well, I don't think that uh, CBS linked the bracket. I think that some weasel boy uh, in CBS got a hold of that bracket and saw his opportunity to, to let the world know you know, what had already been decided. And um, the problem in my mind was that CBS, in going to two hours, um, it was just the, uh, how they went about it, because they decided to release each region uh, about half an hour at a time, and then after talking about each region and showing lots and lots of commercials, um, then they would show the next bracket and talk about that for half an hour, so one hour had gone by, and they still hadn't re- released half of the remaining uh, picks and seedings. So um, that was the, the time after the hour into the show that uh, the remaining part of the bracket was released. And uh, a lot of teams that were hoping to still get in in those other brackets, those other regions, um, were disappointed to find out via Twitter that they didn't get in. So. Um, CBS is now conducting a, an investigation to find out what happened, and they're going to be spending big money to do that. Um, but it all basically started, I think, because CBS saw this another opportunity to, to make some big money uh, with the two-hour show rather than the traditional half-hour show. Yeah, true. So one of the things I read was there were some, some coaches that had heard about the, the Twitter release 
and they weren't believing it. But in, but once the the the, the matchups started coming true, then of course they were believing it, and and then they 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 were able to focus on the team uh, that they were going to be playing against. You know, did did that give them a, a an advantage? Do you think? Oh. Yeah, an extra half hour to think about who they're going to play. I'm not. I'm not sure <laughs> by that. Yeah. But uh, it's. I'm. I'm more concerned. And what I've read is it really is um, more of an issue about the teams that were still hopeful and uh, found out via Twitter rather than the official announcement on CBS that they didn't make the tournament. And there were, you know, a number of teams that. Um, certainly deserved to make the, the tournament because they had some pretty good records, but they didn't have the RPI ranking to get them in or the strength of schedule or they were in weaker conferences. So um, that's, that was kind of the, the outcome, the, the result of, of the brackets being released early. Okay, so, so since you brought that up about some of the teams that didn't make it in, let's talk a little bit about some of those teams. I know one is San Diego State. You know, they've made it for like the last five right. years or something in a row or eight years. They didn't make it, and they've, they've always had a very powerful team. Um, and what, what, there was like four others I saw on the list. Do you, can you remember them? Um, I'm thinking, uh, now this is just off the top of my head. I'm right. thinking South Carolina, uh, Monmouth, um, a team that started with V that just slips my mind right now, but... Um, and, uh, there were other teams, but the, the one that, that bothered me the most, being from Colorado and being from the West, was that San Diego State uh, had such a such a great season, but because of their strength of schedule, being in the Mountain West Conference, they uh, the the selection committee decided, well, okay, we're going to allow one team from the Mountain West Conference, and it's going to be the team that wins the tournament, as right. is tradition. So. Um, Fresno State won that tournament in the, ch- the championship game, and that meant San Diego State had to stay home, and that's that was a, a real shame. Um, right, and other teams home. also had similar stories, but uh, didn't uh, you know didn't get in either. Yeah, and lo and behold, Fresno State beat San Diego State to get into the tournament or to get into the NCAA. So that's kind of a slap exactly. in our face. Exactly. Um, I mean, you have a, a winner from the regular season and a, a winner from a. Uh, single elimination tournament, and you know, in college basketball, it's always been said. It's not entirely true, but it's always been said that um, you know, any t- any given team can win on any day. Um, certainly, that's there's limitations to that. But uh, that does bring up one of the other things I would like to talk about is that the idea of parity in college basketball. I think we're seeing that a lot more this year than we've ever seen before. So um, the idea that, you know, on any given day a team can come in tremendously lucky and firing on all cylinders and have a really great day and win against a, just, a, just a terrific, highly seated team um, that may be having a good day or a poor day or whatever, and boom, they're gone. So right. we'll talk about that uh, like in particular uh, in regards to all the upsets that we saw this year in the first round. Well, since you brought it up, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the parodies going on. So um, I, I, I think the one that you're talking about happened to be is, is Northern Iowa, you know, and they, they ended up um, winning on, on Friday, and, uh, yeah. but then Sunday they were winning 
against Texas A&M. Let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about it. So Sunday night, Texas, Texas A&M had a 12-point deficit against Northern Iowa. And, and I, I believe you, you said it was like 35 seconds left in the game. Um, Texas yes, A&M 35 seconds. 35 seconds, yep. Texas A&M, they forced four turnovers, made six field goals to tie the game at the end of regulation. They ended up winning after double overtime. You know, and have right. you ever seen a better comeback in college basketball history? No, and that's, that's also one of the things I wanted to talk about. I'm going to back up a little bit and just say that uh, this year's NCAA tournament was completely unprecedented. There were historic things that happened, uh, four, four tremendously historic things that happened uh, already in this, this, this first week of, of games. Okay. Um, just totally unprecedented. And though one of them was, like you said, um, the, the greatest comeback of all time. And this wasn't just the greatest comeback in the NCAA tournament. This was the greatest comeback of all time, according to NCAA records. Uh, being down uh, 12 points with 35 seconds to go, um, and there are uh, algorithms and computer programs that calculate the chances of a team coming back from a, a deficit like that, and they, have, they calculate, and based on all, all this historical data, that the chances of coming back from a 12-point deficit with 35 seconds are, are less, than a thousand, less than a thousand to one. I mean, it, it just never does happen. And they, they did look at the records, and they saw that there was one comeback. The greatest comeback before this one was um, coming back from a, it was maybe a 12-point deficit, something like that, with about... Uh, 45 seconds to go. So this one, this one beat that by a little bit. But, but uh, you said also that um, Texas A&M scored six field goals, six, six baskets uh, in the 35 seconds. Actually, they scored seven, and uh, Texas A&M scored one. Uh, I'm sorry, Northern Iowa scored one when they did the smart thing, and they, they tossed the ball uh, all the way across court to a big guy who went in and dunked it. So uh, Northern Iowa, in the 35 seconds left, scored one basket, and Texas A&M scored seven. So that's eight baskets scored, and they were all two-pointers. No three-pointers, no free throws. All two-pointers, eight of them in 35 seconds. I mean, do that math. That's four and a half seconds per basket. Right. It's crazy. Right. It, was, it, it, it was crazy. It was crazy to see that happen. It was. Um, but let me, let me talk about Another another thing that I'm I'm seeing, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit more too this afternoon, um, is the idea of karma and sort of what goes around comes around. Um, the reason is, I mean, what I want to point out is that uh, you said that um, Northern Iowa had won in their first round game. Well, that was on against Texas, and uh, they shot uh, half court. Shot. Um, their, their senior, um, Paul Jesperson, shot from half court at the buzzer to win that game. Over yeah. And this is another historical thing. In the NCAA tournament, there has never been a half court or better shot to win a game at the buzzer. Hmm. And you see it all the time in regular season. You certainly see it in the NBA because they're heating, all, heating up all the time and they don't really care where they're shooting from, and people like Steph Curry can make a lot of those, but in college basketball, in the NCAA tournament, you don't see that. And we saw that for the first time with Northern Iowa 
hitting a three-pointer against Texas at the buzzer, and the very next game, they lost. And this is kind of the karma thing that I'm talking about. You have these teams that are lowly seated teams or lower seated teams. They come in, they play their hearts out to win a game, and then the next game, uh, for some reason, they lose. And Northern Iowa played a great game. I mean, I was, I was watching most of that game against Texas A&M, and uh, with about 12 points ahead, with about 45, 30 seconds to go, 35 seconds to go, I changed the channel because I was interested in watching something else. And then I saw on the little ticker that the regulation had expired and it was a tie game. I missed it. So I imagine a lot of people did. Right. I did uh, the same thing. It was, uh, you know, uh, Northern Iowa... They played, they played their guts out, but they still lost. Right. The right, round. they sure did, which was un- unfortunate for them because sometimes you want to root for the, for the, for the underdog, but, mm-hmm. you know. It's, oh, it's, we all want to root for the underdog. Right. There were a lot of upsets, and, and this, is, this is another thing, one of those unprecedented things that have happened um, this year that have never happened before. Uh, for example, uh, there were eight teams that were seated number 11 or worse or lower that won a first-round game. Yeah. And that has never happened before. The record before that was seven. So this time, uh, having a a seed of 11 or or lower than that wasn't necessarily a death knell. Wow. Well, Kurt, you know what? I'm I'm going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the disparities and talk a little bit more about uh, the, the, the March Madness. So when we come back... We'll be talking more more basketball. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the Man Cave. Don't let the name fool you, because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Hosts J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the Man Cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. (laughs) 
You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1 888 346 9144. That's 888 346 9144. Or drop an email to Loving That Sports Talk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is your host, Chris Marwitz of Loving That Sports Talk, and we're talking March Madness. It's just madness around here. So I have my guest, Kurt, on with me, and Kurt, thank you for being on. Well, thank you for having me, Chris. Perfect. So we've been talking a little bit about what's been going on, and when we were talking a little bit about the disparity with some of the teams. So let's continue on a little bit more with what's going on, and I think um, one of the big ones was with uh, Michigan State. Let's talk a little oh, bit yeah. about uh, about them. Um, that was very surprising with Mid-Tennessee taking them on and beating yes. them. That's a perfect example of uh, what I said up top about uh, on any given day, uh, any team uh, can beat another team if they have just a crazy good day. I mean, if all their guys are having, having really, really good days. And that's what happened with Middle Tennessee. Um, the confidence is a huge, huge factor in, in sports, as anybody will tell you, both, uh, both when you're ahead and when you're falling behind. I'm not talk- just talking about going into the game, but I'm talking during the game, the, the mood swings and how the, how the crowd reacts to things. Um, but in that game, uh, Middle Tennessee came in and this, they took the lead right away. And uh, for a team like Michigan State that comes in with tremendous confidence, and they were probably, I'm sure they were as prepared as anybody because Izzo is just, you know, one of the great top four coaches of all time, or at least uh, in current college basketball. Um, But but once the game starts, the emotional dynamic can't help but, but impact the game. Um, especially as a fan, which which I am, you know, the, the fans go crazy when things happen, positive or negative. I imagine it has to affect the players, and you know, the, the better players uh, and the, the the senior juniors and senior uh, class players probably are better at dealing with this. But still, to have um, a 15 seed come in and immediately just take this this big lead on you, and then um, you have to fight your way back, and fight your way back has really got to take a toll. Um, but the, the crazy thing is about this particular game is that Michigan State played a great game. I mean, I'm a numbers guy. I, I, I've always loved basketball for the grace and the athleticism and just the, the sheer coordination, eye-hand coordination involved, and just the jumping is just amazing to see, too. Um, but uh, but when a team comes out and shoots uh, 55.6% and 46% from three-point line, uh, think about that, 56% from field goal range and 46% from three-point three distance, that team's going to win, right? Well, problem was Middle Tennessee shot 56% from field goal, distance and 58% from the three-point distance. So they shot uh, about uh, 10 or 11% better from three-point distance 
they both they both shot they both made the same number of three pointers, but uh, ten, Middle Tennessee shot a lot fewer. But they made a few more of their their uh, field goals uh, in, in close. And the bottom line is is that all five starters from Middle Tennessee had career days. All five of them scored in double figures. And they also had four players off the bench that amounted to nine points. So those five starters played almost the entire game, and they all played their hearts out, and they all each had career games. And it doesn't matter if you're Michigan State or or I could name all the other great teams in this tournament too. Uh, you're going to struggle, and Michigan State did. They never led the game once. Right. And so right. this this in my mind, is the greatest upset of all time. There have been a number of other examples of 15 seeds being two seeds. But uh, in this one, this one is extra crazy because, you know, ESPN has their bracket, pick, pick, tournament pick bracket thing, and there were like nine, 9 million brackets that were, that were made this year. And of those, uh, over 22% of those brackets had Michigan State winning. Right. Even though they were a two seed. Uh, they were they were ranked second in the AP poll, but they were still a two seed. Mm-hmm. Um, 22% of those brackets had Michigan State winning. So right. uh, that's what makes this the greatest greatest right. upset. Yeah, I, I also heard after, after that game that uh, Vegas won a lot of money because a lot of people bet on Michigan State and Vegas won a lot of money when that when they got yeah. upset. So that was a huge thing. Yeah. So two other big upsets from the from the first first games was SF Austin over West Virginia and Hawaii uh, they they ended up beating Cal. Right. Um being uh I mean I, I come, come come clean at the start here. I since uh, 1985, I've been a huge Arizona Wildcats right. fan. That's where I went to school. And uh, so I was there at the start of Arizona's um, basketball dominance, if you will, with Lute Olson and yeah. Steve Kerr and Sean Elliott. I mean, I was there uh, pretty much at the start and uh, had season tickets when I was in Tucson and would take my kids, alternate my, my two sons, to, so that they would each get a chance to see each, you know, each other uh, at every alternating game. Um, so, and I've also been a big Pac-12 fan too. So uh, this year, um, Cal. Let's see, this is the Hawaii game, right? Um, Cal, California had probably the best overall raw talent of any team in the Pac-12, and so um, they actually started kind of slow. And then they finished the season very strong. Um, but to have them be upset by Hawaii was just, uh, that's just crazy talk, too. So uh, that's just another example. Uh, and the other example, the other game you mentioned was West Virginia and uh, Austin. Austin, yeah. Austin. Um, that's just another example of a team. That's an example of a team that just didn't get any respect. Uh, the top player for Stephen F. Austin, the, the greatest beard uh, in college basketball. Um, can't remember his name off the top of my head, but uh, he was injured uh, three times with knee injuries and other injuries in high school, and didn't get 
recruited by anybody. And uh, he ended up going to Stephen of Austin, and uh, he could have played anywhere. If he had been healthy in, in high school, had gone to college, and had gotten, you know, the attention that he his talents deserved, he might have been able to go play anywhere. Well, he uh, he was surrounded by some pretty good talents. Stephen of Austin always has uh, good basketball players. Um, but uh, just watching him play is just, just a special treat. And uh, and then uh, they beat West Virginia, uh, which was the second best team, I believe, in uh, uh, in the East. No, it's, it was the uh, which conference are they in? The East, East, no. Oh, the West Virginia. Okay, but um. But uh, that's that. Just you know, that's just another example, I guess, of uh, anybody can be on any given day if if your best players uh, have have a great day, and, and he did. And then um, Stephen F. Austin went into the game against Notre Dame and uh, got beat. And uh, that's um, that's just another sort of one of those data points where you say. I'll hear this this uh, low seed upset a team that they probably shouldn't have beaten, and then the very next game they're out. So you know, two and out. Uh, you see that again and again and again with these these eight upset teams, right. these eight teams, uh, eleven or lower that uh, won first round games. Um, a lot of those guys, a lot of those teams uh, lost in the second round. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. A few of them didn't, however. A few of them didn't, like Gonzaga and Syracuse. Um, and it turns out they're both in the same bracket. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. we're going to talk about that one if we, if we get a time, chance to. So. so so let me ask you the, my next question is, do you think higher-seeded teams overlook lower-seeded teams? Um, I, don't, I don't think it's that they overlook them. I think it's... Again, that, that confidence factor that I was talking about before, where they, they have tremendous confidence and they're, they prepare the best they can. A lot of these low seeds, it may be hard to get um, a lot of video, and I'm just guessing, I imagine, that in today's you know, 21st century, it's probably easy to get a lot of video about uh, future opponents in a, in a tournament. But uh, um, preparation for, for some of these teams... Uh, I imagine it can be kind of difficult for a coach to keep his players focused on the first opponent, and they may be looking ahead to the second. That, that's something that people always talk about. Uh, however, the, the confidence factor comes in once, once the game begins. Uh, if the, the lower-seeded team gets an early lead and the higher-seeded team misses uh, six of their first seven shots, uh, then the lower-seeded team has received this huge boost of confidence, and the other team is getting kind of nervous and worried. And, and the things that they've always relied on, the plays and the, the particular uh, strategies that they've used to win, aren't don't seem to be working early in the game. And uh, the coach might want to change some things up. And it just uh, might always then becomes a case of. Um, Trying to catch up from behind, and 
most cases they do, but uh, we saw a lot of upset this year where they didn't. A uh, good example this time was Wichita State upsetting Arizona. Now, Arizona had a, had a down year, um, and Wichita State was uh, had a um, poor start to the season with some injuries, and they are in a conference um, that doesn't get a lot of respect. Um, so... Um, they didn't receive a high enough seed uh, as high as they deserved. They were seeded 11, and they probably should have. They really had the talent to be to be like eight or nine, and Arizona was was seeded uh, sixth, I believe. Um, so anyway, uh, Wichita State comes in and just starts shooting lights out, and they had uh, two of the better point guards, point guard tandems in the country. Um, with uh, Fred Van Vliet and, and Ron Baker. And uh, Arizona, which has always been known as Point Guard University, Point Guard U, didn't really have a, a top-quality point guard this year. That's the, the number one thing they struggled with this year after McConnell uh, graduated last year. So um, point guards are, are everything. This is one of my own personal opinions. You, you need a top, top quality point guard to win in the NCAA tournament. Right. And so a lot of the top teams that we may end up talking about, like Kansas, North Carolina, and uh, um, uh, Oregon, and Oregon uh, do, have, do, do have those top flight point guards. Right. Um, in Arizona's case, they didn't. So really, that's, what they, that's why they lost. Wow. The interesting aspect about Wichita State, though, after they had this big win, this big emotionally satisfying yet draining win over Arizona, they then went into the next game against uh, uh, Miami. And Miami has a point guard, total top-notch Angel Rodriguez, who had one of his best games of his career. He scored something over 20 points. And uh, Van Bleach and Baker... Uh, each had very poor games, um, relatively speaking, wow. and so Miami did end up winning that game and knocking Wichita State out. So, just another example of a game of a team, Wichita State, having just a tremendous game. All the cylinders are firing, and uh, they beat a beat a nationally prominent team, and then they go in the second round, and don't yeah, the stats right. don't quite match up with before. Yeah. Well, Kurt, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more, ma- more, sorry, more about March Madness. We'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. 
That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is your host, Chris Marwitz, and we are talking March Madness. And my guest today is Kurt. Kurt, you still with us? Oh, great. So, you know, I, 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 I love, you know, hearing what you have to say about all this stuff and, and talking about disparity, but let, let's, let's talk a little bit more about, you know, we, we talked about some of the disparities. So my next question to you is, so far, what's been the biggest upset in this year's men's tournament? Well, I, we talked about that before. The biggest upset uh, in the tournament was, was Middle Tennessee State being, beating Michigan State. Yes. Um, so again, uh, that's we've that that was the greatest not only upset biggest upset in this tournament. It was the biggest upset in any NCAA tournament, and it was the biggest upset ever in college basketball, in my mind. <laughs> there well, there are others that that, that yeah. can come. Yeah. Well, let's move forward. So now we're down to the Sweet Sixteen, and at this point, both Kansas and North Carolina are co-favorites. You know, entering the Sweet 16. So let's talk about each team. You know, their strengths, their weaknesses. Um, so give me your pick, and, and and then and then after you give me their strengths and weaknesses, I want you to pick which one's going to win. So let's talk about Kansas. Uh, what's some of their strengths? Okay. Well, uh, Kansas. Well, I'll talk about Kansas and North Carolina kind of together. Okay. Um, by saying that they both have top ten offenses, they both have top ten defenses. Um, so. Uh, they both have just deep, deep lineups. They, they, they both go just. I mean, they're all NBA, not all, but there's a lot of NBA talent on all those squads, and they can go six, seven, eight guys deep and not really have too much drop off. Um, and I'm thinking, if you, for example, of previous year's Kentucky teams where they actually went with the the two squads uh, of players, and uh, Calipari would run a a squad of five guys out, have them play for a couple minutes, and then run, run out a fresh new five. And uh, that that kind of depth is just just unprecedented. But uh, Kentucky and North Carolina have are, are approaching uh, that kind of depth. So um, 
their their players um, can uh, take breaks and sit on the bench when they need to and go out there when they're called on and just just run their hearts out. Um, Kansas is uh, led. I mean, their top player is Perry Ellis, their power forward. Um, but they also have guards uh, Frank Mason and Devontae Graham, which are probably the best Cano guards in the country. Um, there really is no pair of guards better than those two. And like I said earlier, uh, you win NCAA tournaments with great guards, and Kansas had them, has them. That's partly why they've been uh, the, the top number one seed and number one rated in the AP poll. Um, the other reason, uh, the other reasons why they're in the top, uh, rated at the top, are because Kansas has always been kind of a sweetheart team among among uh, people everywhere in, in the media because uh, you know Lawrence, Kansas is where basketball originated. And uh, the other reason, the third reason, is that uh, Kansas is the only team to have lost only four games this year. Now that's. In my mind, that sounds kind of crazy because in past years, we've almost always had teams going into the NCAA tournament of the top teams with only one or two mm-hmm. losses. Um, UCL or uh, UNLV one year came into it undefeated, and uh, I think Kentucky came into it undefeated for. But um, being the, the top team with only with four losses. Uh, it gets at what I was talking about earlier about the concepts of parity. Um, in the NFL, um, in the NFL is the, the top league, sports, professional sports league, uh, in terms of putting mechanisms into place uh, to, to do what they can to ensure parity among the teams. Um, the NBA and Major League Baseball are a couple of steps behind, but they are also they've also taken quite a lot of steps financially to to try to to make uh, the lower um, teams uh, the the lower um, attendance t- attended teams uh, have at least a shot at uh, occasionally beating the, the the really rich teams. So, but uh, college basketball doesn't have that. College basketball has. There's, there's no structure in place for parity whatsoever because uh, you know, the NCAA gives the players um, a college scholarship uh, and uh, a little bit of extra money to cover extra expenses, and that's been in dispute in, in court, and we could talk about that, but maybe we shouldn't. Um, <laughs> but that, that could be going to the Supreme Court actually in another week or two. Um, but... Uh, College basketball doesn't have that mechanism to ensure parity between programs. It's just universities deciding how much money they want to spend on their basketball program and the facilities, and it usually starts with some success, and the success brings in attendance, and attendance brings in revenue. So um, it's it's especially unusual this year to see that uh, Kansas comes into the tournament with four losses, there were five teams, or four teams that had five losses, and this is the top 25. Five teams in the top 25, four teams in the top 25 had five losses, two teams had six losses, four teams had seven losses, nine teams had eight losses, eight losses, and they're still in the top 25. 
And then Duke, Baylor, Cal, uh, Iowa State, Iowa, all had 10 or more losses, and they're still in the top 25. That tells you that on any given day, like I said earlier, anybody can beat anybody, and they really, truly did this year. Um, The number one spot in the rankings switched uh, a a crazy amount of times this year, Um, and only in the last couple of weeks was Kansas finally able to grab it and hold on to it. Um, So Kansas is just the, the... this kind of the cream of the crop this year, but uh, you asked about North Carolina, and North Carolina, you can't say that they're not, they don't, they don't have the capability to beat Kansas because they've got uh, point guard Marcus Page, who is just astonishingly good, and then power forward Bryce Johnson. Um, Bryce Johnson is one of the the top players in the year uh, in the in in. In the country, he's just exciting to watch, dynamic. He's got tremendous enthusiasm and, and just, just amazing grace and strength and, and speed and just his the whole package. He's going to the NBA, NBA for certain. Um, uh, but, again, with North Carolina's depth, uh, anything can happen. So if you see Kansas and North Carolina in the national championship, that's going to be the, one of the greatest games that we've ever seen. Yeah. Um, I'm predicting. Um, at the other side of the bracket, uh, the other teams, the other number one seeds are, are uh, Oregon and uh, and Virginia. Uh, those teams are similar. I mean, possess many of the similar things that I just said about Kansas and North Carolina, in that they've got um, just huge talent. Uh, you know, five solid guys, if not more. Um, for example, Oregon only plays seven guys all season. They, they have seven guys who averaged uh, over 20 minutes a game, and then a whole bunch of guys on the bench that are lucky if they play two or three minutes a game hmm. um, at best. So uh, seven guys, and all seven of them are awesome. Um, they've just been overlooked because they're, in, they're on the West Coast, and uh, those games come on late at night, and people don't seem to watch them, and... Uh, it's a shame because the Pac-12 this year had its best season ever as a, as a basketball conference, um, with seven teams getting into the into the tournament. Yeah. Unfortunately, only one of them is still playing today. Yeah. Uh, Fortunately, that that's the problem with even with the the, the NFL or with the football, um, the Pac-12 just gets overlooked all over the place because the time time difference. Three-hour right. time difference to East so, Coast. So. so another example, I'll be quick here, another example of the parity here is that the ACC, which has traditionally been, traditionally has been the, the strongest conference, basketball conference in America, got seven teams into the tournament this year. The Big 12 got seven, the Big 10 got seven, and the Pac-12 got seven as well. Um, however, the difference is the ACC has six of those seven still in play. Big 12 still has three, the Big 10 still has three. And as I said, Oregon is the lone Pac-12 team still playing. But Oregon is legit. I predict that they're going to face a hugely talented Oklahoma game, Oklahoma team in uh, the Elite Eight. And uh, that's going to be a game to watch because because uh, Oklahoma has Buddy Heald. And he, he is, for my money, the most exciting basketball player. Uh, in college that I that I've watched this year. 
Right. Well, Kurt, you know, we're, we're going to need to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the women's tournament. So we'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with loving that sports talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is your host, Chris Marr, with the Loving That Sports Talk. And we're just got, we're, we're, we're going to be ramping up to finish up this show. We're talking March Madness. I have my guest, Kurt, on. Kurt, you know, are you still hanging there with me? I am. Thanks for having oh, me. Great, but it, 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 you know, I love having you on. This is this has been so enlightening to me to to be able to hear you know, all these all these your, your opinion on this and and uh, be able to discuss you know college basketball. So it's it's a good thing to have. So thank you very much. So before we start talking about the women, um, I just have one one question, a quick question to ask you. So we were talking about uh, the number one seeds. And of the number one seeds, which one is the most vulnerable in the Sweet 16? Um, I would say that it's Oregon, but not because they're the worst number one seed of the four, but because they've got the hardest row to hoe still. Uh, they have to face Duke on uh, Thursday. Yeah, they have to face Duke on Thursday tomorrow. And uh, Duke has one of the greatest coaches uh, of all time with Mike Krzyzewski. Um Duke has struggled. They have lost, uh, oh, what, 10 games or more this season, which is just just nuts for a Duke team. And yet they came in, came in as a four seed. Um, and so, and then Duke beat... Uh, 13 seed UNC Wilmington, 
and number 12, Yale, another one of those uh, Cinderella teams that won, uh, had a big upset against Baylor and then had to face a, a really, really good team and ended up losing. So Duke, I think, is going to be either well-prepared, and you have to believe that they will because of the coach, or mm, some things are going to get revealed about maybe just how, how, what the reason may be that they lost those 10 or more games this year. Uh, because Oregon is stacked. As I said before, they've got uh, six solid players plus a seventh who gets a ton of uh, playing time uh, at uh, replacement guard. Um, they've got a point guard. Oregon's got a point guard, um, Tyler Dorsey, who is a freshman, and he is, he is astonishingly good. Um, they've got uh, their best player is Dylan Brooks, uh, shooting forward, and uh, and they've got a, a sort of a center um, in Chris Boucher, who has a heck of a story uh, about how he even got to basketball to begin with. He really didn't start playing organized basketball until he was 19 years old, and this is his senior year, and he's trying to petition for an additional year. Just uh, so that would uh, be worth your time to look up Chris Boucher, and you'll probably hear it if you watch. Uh, the game against Duke. But they also have two forwards, um, uh, Bill and Cook, and then a third forward, uh, Benjamin. Anyway, they're, they're just, each one of these guys has impressed me um, all season because uh, because I'm a Pac-12 guy. I've watched Oregon again and again and again and rooted for them uh, with every game except for when they played Arizona, and they still beat Arizona anyway. So uh, they are truly that good. But uh, they have to play Duke first, and then um, I'm predicting that in the, the Elite Eight game, they'll play Oklahoma with uh, Buddy Heald. And Oklahoma is, is just a tremendous, tremendously talented team as well uh, with Buddy Heald, uh, who can pretty much hit from anywhere. And so I would make one prediction about Buddy Heald, and that is if, if he shoots better than 50% in his field goals and better than 40%, uh, from three-point distance, his team will win. Um, he's, his team has been able to win games earlier in the season when he's not shooting that well. But uh, it's against lesser opponents. But when they're playing good teams and Buddy Heald's playing that well, Oklahoma wins. So Oregon, Oklahoma in the Elite Eight, that would be the toughest challenge for a one seed to be able to get uh, into the Final Four. Uh, that's a long answer to your simple question, sorry. That, that, that's great. So you know what? So in the, in the few minutes we have left, I want to talk about the women's NCAA tournament. Um, so the question mm-hmm. I want to ask um, more it has to do with UConn. So they're predicted to win this year's uh, women's NCAA tournament. Do you think they will win this year's title, or will Notre Dame take them down to win it? I think that when you're talking women's basketball, all you really need to talk about is Connecticut. Um, they have been the premier women's basketball program for years and years, and uh, I don't see any reason why that's going to stop in the next next uh, couple of rounds of games. Brianna Stewart is six four, six five forward. Who is uh, um, she? Does everything for that team. She is the MVP of, of women's college basketball right now. Um, I even saw saw her on one particular possession. Uh, in their game yesterday against Duquesne, um, where she got three blocks in a row against three different shooters, 
when she blocked the shot, uh, Duquesne got the got the ball back. Uh, she blocked another shot. Duquesne got the ball back. She blocked the third shot, and I've just never seen that before. So um, Connecticut is just not even. I'd say odds on favorite, but it's it's not better than that. Um, and the reason reason I say that is because if you look at the number one seeds in the women's bracket, you've got Connecticut, you've got South Carolina, you've got Notre Dame, and you've got Baylor. Uh, Baylor, all, all three of those other number one seeds have only lost one game all season. Connecticut has not lost any games. Baylor lost to Oklahoma State, uh, one of my favorite teams from Stillwater, Oklahoma. Um, their biggest win was uh, the number one seed, Baylor. Uh, that's the only game they lost. Notre Dame and South Carolina also only lost one game all season. That loss was to Connecticut. So those teams have already faced Connecticut, and they both both lost quite convincingly. Um, Connecticut does this to teams. They just come in and just, just, just destroy them. So um, the, we're now at the, at the Sweet 16 stage with the women's basketball. So we've got a lot more games to go, but uh, there's really no reason to doubt that um, Connecticut isn't going to just take it all. Right. So I have a quick question. So the last one has to do with uh, Colorado State. They had an overall record of 31-1 this season, but the selection committee gave them a number 11 seed. Do you feel that they were slighted since they were in the Mountain West division? Uh, well, they have a right to feel that, but you know, it's it's all it all comes down to RPI rankings um, as far as evaluating how well you did against your opponents, uh, how well, high, how highly regarded or highly rated those opponents were, um, your strength of schedule, um, all these kind of things are factored into RPI, and uh, it's like San Diego State in men's basketball. They play in Mountain West Conference, and they had. Uh, a middling RPI, even though they had a tremendous record and they didn't get in the tournament because uh, the selection committee decided only one team was going to get in from the Mountain West. Well, the same thing was uh, appearing that it might happen to the women, too. They were having uh, one of the most successful... They did, in fact, have one of the most successful uh, years in, in, in decades. I mean, the, the CSU women's program... Um, used to be very prominent, and then they uh, didn't do so well, and now they've come back. Well, they only lost one game, and uh, still, it all came down to the, the conference tournament. Either they win it or they lose it, and they, if they lose it, they may not go to the, the tournament. Well, it turns out they did win it, and who did they get seated against? They got seated against South Florida, which was the number two team, in the American Conference, which is the, the conference Connecticut plays in. So they got to play the number two team in Connecticut's conference, and uh, uh, a disc that had to travel quite a distance to play that game, and that's a disadvantage. And uh, it was just uh, it was just too much. And South Florida beats CSU, and then, as it happens in college basketball, too much. Uh, that. South Florida team lost their next round game. Right. So it was like, well, we had this great opportunity and um, we lost to a good team, but uh, that good team didn't uh, didn't go on themselves in the tournament. So all we have to do is uh, look forward to next year. So 
that's the way college basketball goes. You, it's it's like being a Cubs fan. Sometimes you you hope a dream, and then reality hits, and and then you have to look forward to next year. <laughs> sometimes it happens early in the season. Sometimes it happens before before the All Star game, and sometimes it happens later on in the season. But uh, it always happens. Well, Kurt, it's been great having you on the show today. I, I hope the listeners just learned a lot because you threw a lot at it, everybody, and it's it's <laughs> been it's been a joy, and we'll do this again. Thanks. I really enjoyed it, and uh, I would enjoy talking to you again. Yes, indeed. Perfect. All right. Everyone have a great, great, great week, and we'll see you next Wednesday. James will be on next week. So have a great week, everybody. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Loving That Sports Talk. But don't worry, James Loving will be back next week, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to love more sports talk then. And keep in touch with James all week at lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.